All right, let's get going. I'm going to I'm going to um talk to you tonight about the Christmas season. Um any of you here ever feel anxiety, stress or depression around the Christmas season? Raise your hand. Why is that? Do you wonder? Anybody? Anybody? I know that since um I went through my divorce, I didn't I didn't really know about how bad Christmases could be <laughs> till after I had a really bad Christmas and went through the holidays. I think part of it is we have expectations about Christmas that are perhaps not realistic, number one. I think the other thing is, too, that um, Christmas is a really big deal to Christians. It's a really big deal to the world, and the enemy does whatever he can do to distract us from the true message of Christmas. And that's why I'm talking today about the Christmas message. It's hard to do anything fresh, fresh sometimes at Christmas because you're like, oh, we've heard it a thousand times. But here's the thing, you guys. We have to remember every single year. We need, we need this holiday every single year to remind us what Christmas is really about, or we will just skip on by and not remember. This is, Christmas is our Ebenezer. It's our altar stone that reminds us to look at what God has done, and we need to remember and mark it every single year. It's something we have to purpose in our heart to do, whether we're going to get caught up with all of the holiday riffraff or whatever. I told Lori this year, I said, Lori, I'm going to kick Christmas's butt, although I didn't say butt. I said something else, because I'm not letting Christmas get me down. I'm not letting this season steal from me what it's really about, and it's something that I think we have to purpose in our hearts that we're going to decide what we are going to celebrate this year. Either we're going to focus on what we don't have and our anxieties and the stresses, or we're going to focus on what we do have. Amen? So that's what we're doing tonight. You know, unfortunately, and this is just kind of a, uh, it's, not just, it's not just us here, Christians, it's the world. Um, you know, I do mediation as well as real estate, and December and January are my highest mediation months. Did you know that? More people file for divorce in December and January than any other time of the year. That's what the holidays do to people. That's the pressure. That's what goes on in the holidays. And so we, we have to remember what is there really to celebrate. Now, I'm going to tell you unashamedly that this is very close to a book report about the book um, God is Good from Bill Johnson. I got a lot of this from that book, but it is fantastic. And you all need to hear it a thousand times so you can just hear it from me one time, okay? And then you can go read the book yourself, but it's really that good. Juliana's going to do a um, Bible study on it in January for the ladies if you want to um, go into it deeper, but a lot of this is from Bill Johnson's God is Good. You know, and one of the reasons that we um, kind of struggle at Christmas is because we have unmet expectations and because we suffer, right? And we're like, what? what is suffering all about? Why does God allow us to suffer? Is God not good? Is God, does he not care? What's going on? You know, Bill Johnson says Job, who's the um, picture of suffering in the Bible, asked the question, but Jesus is always the answer. And so tonight we're going to look at Jesus as being the answer to, to suffering or to, or to what's going on in our lives. You know, um, there's two, you guys, anyone going to go see that Star Wars movie, the new Star Wars that's coming out? What's the name of it? Okay, it's more than Star Wars, honey. There's another name to it. The Last Jedi? What was the movie before it? The one, the Sorry. Okay. So you're, no, that was like a pre thing in there. It's all 
<laughs> My point is, in the Star Wars universe, there's many movies. Can we agree to that? There's many chapters to the Star Wars universe. And I will bring this back in later on. But my point is not one movie itself tells a whole story, right? It cliffhangs on and on to the next story, the next story, the next story. That's kind of the way the Old Testament is. The Old Testament is not our only story. We live in a story, if you will, that has two chapters, an Old Testament and a New Testament. Unfortunately, a lot of times we just live in the Old Testament. We think the Old Testament has all of the answers, and we don't live fully in the New Testament reality. And that's the story of Christmas, is we've got to move into the New Testament reality. I, as when I was growing up, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I grew up thinking that God was distant, far away, disapproving, and ready to smite a lot of people. Any, any of you like that? Any, any of you like that? My mom, I... I don't know if she will listen to me, but I'm going to tell the story. My mom grew up in, with a dad who was a teetotaler his whole life. And he was a, a pastor, and he was like of the holiness movement. I don't know if you ever heard of it. And he spent his whole life trying to bring back prohibition to, like, the world. You know, to, to his, his county, you know, had one time been dry, and then they started serving alcohol again. But he spent the rest of his life trying to bring prohibition back to reality his whole life, and he was hyper-focused on alcohol and cards and movies and stuff like that as being evil. He, and it, the ironic thing is, he spent his whole life doing that, but at the end of his life, he had dementia, and he would go down every single day to the liquor store to get his, like, fruit and not know it was the liquor store. Bless his heart. So he was, like, giving money to a, you know, evil establishment for his fruits and vegetables, and he didn't know it. Isn't that so sad? But that's the, that's the family that my mom grew up in, and she brought a little bit of that over um, into our growing up. Like, we couldn't go out to eat on Sundays because that was making other people work. So somehow we were contributing to their sinfulness, I suppose, if we would eat. Does that make sense? Because, they're working on the Sabbath. because we're making them work on a Sabbath. So I kind of grew up with this very legalistic, judgmental view of God in general because that's a very Old Testament um, type of view, and that's what I grew up with. In fact, there's a, and a lot of people grew up with that. In fact, there's a, a cult, or a, a sect, I should say, over in France. They're, they've been wiped out by um, the Crusades, so they no longer exist, but I was over in France, and you could visit all these old ruins, and there's this uh, sect called the Cathars, C-A-T-H-A-R, and they believe that there were two gods, an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. The Old Testament God was evil, and the New Testament God was good. That's what they believed. They were wiped out for heresy. But my point is, they would look at the Old Testament, and they concluded that God was not good. And that the New Testament God was good, but the Old Testament God was bad. And somehow, we have gotten the Old Testament mixed up. We've, we don't understand what the Old Testament is all about, and we get stuck in the Old Testament, not understanding that God is good and what he's done for us in the New Testament. So tonight, we're going to talk about the purpose of the Old Testament. We're laying a foundation for who God really is. So in order to figure that out, we've got to look at what is the Old Testament all about. We, we all have kind of a, maybe not you guys, maybe it's just me. Some of us focus more on the Old Testament than we do the message of the New Testament. Does anyone else, anyone do that besides me sometimes? 
not Janet, she shaved in her head. I love you, Janet, so much. So let's talk about what the Old Testament, the purpose of the Old Testament, okay? Number one, the purpose of the Old Testament was to reveal the severity of sin, that sin is real, that it has consequences that are severe, it separates us from God, and that's a real big deal. Sin contaminates everything it touches. Um, You know, one thing in our world today, there's a very relativistic moral kind of compass where what's good for you is okay and what's good for you is okay and it it really doesn't contaminate or or you can be an island your sin doesn't really affect anybody else do you ever feel that way like we need to just give everybody a pass and not call a sin a sin do you ever feel that way like in the old testament um god wanted to make this such a big deal that anytime you touch an unclean person you became unclean if, if there was a dead body and you touched a dead body, you became unclean. Or if you touched a leper, you, became, you had to go cleanse yourself before you could rejoin the community. Those are the rules among the Israelites. And the purpose of that was to show you that sin contaminates the world. That sin is real and that it contaminates the world. That, that's the purpose of a lot of that going on in the Old Testament. The third thing was that humanity couldn't do anything to cleanse themselves. There was nothing that humanity could do to fix it. In fact, the only thing you could do in the Old Testament was shed the blood of something innocent. And it wasn't people, it was animals. And it was over and over and over. They sacrificed things for everything. And it was never good enough. It only lasted a little bit of time and you had to do it over and over and over. The Old Testament also showed us that because that didn't work the over and over, we needed a savior. We needed an innocent human to make um, atonement for us, but there was no innocent human. There was nobody on earth that was innocent. God, he, he hated it when all the nations would sacrifice their children. Children weren't innocent enough for sacrifices. Animals didn't last long enough, even though they were innocent. So the Old Testament points to Jesus is the only answer. The only answer to our sin condition is Jesus. So, this, so let's just review six things that the Old Testament points to. It reveals the severity of sin, that sin contaminates everything it touches, exposes the inability of humanity to save itself, it shows us our need for a savior, and it points to Jesus as the only solution. That's the, that's, that's the, purposes, the purposes of the Old Testament. That's what we call the law. The law. The Old Testament personifies the law. So uh, can you do me a favor? Will you put up my picture of, the, of Waldrug? You guys know, have you guys ever heard of this Waldrug store? Who's heard of it? Yeah, been there. Have you been there? So in, this is South Dakota, not South Dakota. Yeah, Rapid City, South, I think it's Rapid City, South Dakota. Is it Rapid City? Anyway. Waldrug is really famous because for 650 miles in either direction on Interstate 90, you will begin to see signs. Can you put the next one up? Keep going, that's Waldrug. Signs like this. For 650 miles away from that, from that particular um, drugstore, you'll start to see these signs that pop up and say, visit Waldrug, visit Waldrug. And by the time you get to South Dakota, you're like, I'm visiting that place. Because I have seen signs, like 50, 100 signs. I'm going to that, that place. 
and they advertise, keep going through, yeah, they just keep advertising all these different kinds of signs wherever you go, and they're like, come and get a free glass of water, or come and do this, come and do that. What else do I have? That's just, okay. My point to you is this. In fact, they've served two million a year. They're, they're, they're written up like in the New York Times for this fantastic marketing plan they have for just getting people to come to their store. But here's my question. Yeah, go back. Okay, stay right there. Let me ask you a question. This is going to seem really juvenile. What, what is that that we're showing you right there? It's a sign. I'll just give it to you. It's a sign. Okay. Is that the store? It's the sign. Do you get anything from the sign? Can you get your, your ice water from the sign? You get information. It points to something, right? But it's not the store. It's not where you get your water. It's not where you go and shop or feel refreshed, but it tells you where to go. Is that correct? Okay. So if you wanted to go to the drugstore or you wanted a glass of water, would you stay at that sign or would you go someplace else? Would you try to go to where it's telling you to go? Okay, so, hmm? B. So the analogy is this. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The law points to Jesus, but it is not Jesus. But what happens is we sometimes mistake the sign for the destination, which is foolishness, right? So, getting back to Star Wars. I think I'm doing this right. The last movie I saw that I stayed awake in because I went to the super late movie because my kids made me, at the very end, wasn't there like um, Luke Skywalker and he had that like robe over him and he was on an island, you didn't really know who he was and he kind of pulled it off, you're like, oh my gosh, that's Luke Skywalker. And then that was the end of the movie, right? But we all knew that there was another movie coming, right, that was going to give an answer to the question of who is this Luke Skywalker guy, like what's going on here, why is he on an island, blah, blah, blah. That's the whole point of the New Testament, and that's the point of Jesus, is the Old Testament points us to this cliffhanger that there's somebody else coming that's going to actually do the work that the law cannot do. The law only tells you about your sin and says basically you're hopelessly lost. I'm sorry, you're hopelessly lost. Good news, your own, that's the first chapter. There's a second chapter coming. And the second chapter has Jesus. So you need to wait till Jesus comes, and then you're not going to be hopelessly lost anymore. You actually get to go in, drink the water, have the ice cream at the wall drugs, and not just be looking at all the signs all the time. That's the point of the Old Testament. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is God, and he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Just like Star Wars. Like we think we're going to see Luke Skywalker in the next movie. We're not really sure, right? What'd you, oh, he's on the call sheet. Okay. <laughs> so what I want to talk about is, um, you know, people think, like the Cathars, they thought that God in the Old Testament was evil and that God in the New Testament is good. But what I want to tell you is that God in the Old Testament is not evil. In fact, him and Jesus are the exact same thing. And that's the good news of Christmas. The good news of Christmas is, oh my gosh, we've been so distracted by this Old Testament thing of judgments and, and 
morality and unclean uncleanliness and and all this kind of thing that we've forgotten that the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament and if you want to see what God looks like all you have to do is look at Jesus because he's exactly like God because he is God in um in Luke 2 14 there is a um there's a scripture and you sang it I think you guys sang it or maybe not but I was glad you did Said glory. It's, this is this is the scene where um, Jesus has been born in the in the stable, and uh, there's a star I think up there, and the angels are so excited they just burst forth in song. They like can't contain themselves because this is such an incredible time in history that Jesus has been born, and they say glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Luke two fourteen. Some um, some uh, translations say goodwill. Um, to, um, what is it, um, with whom he's well, the men with whom he's well pleased. Goodwill to men with whom he's well pleased. And whenever I looked at that with my crazy filter, I thought, well, he's only pleased with some men. <laughs> he's only, he's only, his favor only rests on the people that he's, the, the men that he has favor with, and it's not everybody. Because it says with whom he's well pleased means there must be just some people that he's well pleased with. He's not well pleased with everybody. But see, really, that's not what that says. Because in the Greek, peace, the peace is peace, peace of mind, wholeness, harmony, all your things coming together, meaning that people will be in harmony in every area of their life. But the really cool thing is this. When he says goodwill towards men, which is favor, kind intention, pleasure, pleased, that means to all men, humans, the race of man. God has Kind favor, good intentions, goodwill to every single person on earth. Every single person on earth, he has goodwill, kind favor towards. That's a brand new message, you guys. That's a brand new message. All of a sudden, we get to go, oh, God has kind favor towards me, and I don't have to earn it. It's just because he was born. Do you know that Jesus' birth is such a big deal in our world, even though people won't admit it, that it demarcates time? That there are, in history, there are only two periods in history, before Jesus' birth and after Jesus' birth. Now, before Jesus' birth, they'll say B.C. After, they'll say A.D., which is in the year of our Lord, or people that don't want to, like, recognize Jesus will say Common Era. But here's the reality. They're still referring to the birth of Christ as a demarcation of time. The birth of Christ demarcates chapter 1 in chapter 2 of our story. And we don't ever have to live in chapter 1 again. We live in chapter 2. It demarcates our history. No matter what, we don't ever have to look back and feel the judgment of God, the punishment, or anything like that in our lives anymore. Because Jesus has taken that for us. Now, does he discipline us? Yes. Does he talk to us? Yes. But we never have to worry about never being good enough again. We are not separated from God. He has made a way for us to be with him through the birth of Jesus. And this is why it's really important in, at Christmas, you guys, this is a huge deal. 
We have to find a way to remember through all our stresses, through all our anxieties, that the really good news is we don't live in chapter one. We don't live with the Star Wars not knowing what the Jedi is going to be. We have actually got chapter two that we live in. We've seen the story that's going on. We know what's going on. We know what's for us. We have got to put the old chapter away. But we live sometimes in the old chapter because we can't get it out of our heads and we forget. We let anxiety and stresses and strains distract us from the real message. You know... Just to contrast the purpose of Jesus as, as, as a contrast to the purpose of the law, which was to tell us about sin and all that kind of thing. The purpose of Jesus is to atone for our sins, to take our punishment, destroy the works of the evil one. Do we, do we live in that? Do we live believing that he's destroying the works of the evil one over our lives? You know, my prayer for you, Lori, isn't just that um, you're going to get that apartment. I'm praying for a breakthrough in every area of your life, girl. In every area of your life. Not these little piddly scraps. But that, you're, that we're going to walk into the, the kingdom of God and you're going to get it all. You're in chapter 2. We're not going to camp out at the sign and hope that somehow we'll get into the banquet. We're going to go to the banquet where it's at, right? We're not going to worship the sign. We're not going to be distracted by the sign. We're not going to be distracted by the law and all that stuff. We're going to say, how do I get to the banquet? I want the banquet right now. Because that's, that's our destiny is the banquet. Other purposes, make an open display of the foolishness of the devil and reveal the wisdom of the cross to give us abundant life. Purpose of Jesus to initiate the kingdom of God and to save men's lives, not destroy them. The scripture says that he desires that all should be saved and none should perish. All people should be saved and none should perish. Sometimes we don't live like that. But the number one purpose of Jesus, besides all those things, is to reveal the Father. Is to remind us that what we see in the Old Testament is not the full picture of God. The New Testament is the fuller picture of God. The New Testament is what God looks like. Jesus, if you want to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. What was Jesus doing? He was healing. He was delivering. He was in the bars. He was talking to the prostitutes, right? And they loved him. That the one prostitute took a year's wages and poured it over Jesus because she loved him so much because he was worth it to her. You don't get that kind of a following unless you made a difference. You know, Chris and I, who here's watched The Shack? And how many times? The Shack. The Shack, yeah. Anyone watch The Shack? Yep. Okay. We've watched it, what, six, seven times together? Because we love it. Every single time, every single time I watch The Shack, you know, The, the Shack has the, the three forms of, you know, Papa, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Papa's a big controversial thing because she's a black woman, you know, whatever. And then, um, and then in the movie, you get to where Jesus is sitting down at the dock with Mac, the, the main character. And they're just sitting there talking. And they're, you know, walking on the water, doing whatever they're doing. And they're just, they're just talking and laughing. And I say to Chris every time, if that is really what Jesus looks like, I am all in. I'm all in. I'm all in because the demeanor that that character has is love, acceptance, 
friendship, grace, mercy, things that we don't associate with God in a very intimate way, in a friendship way. But when I see that portrayed at the shack, in the movie The Shack and I see Jesus portrayed like that, I'm like, oh, I'm there 100%. And I'm just telling you, he wouldn't have the people that would follow him around his ministry if they did not see that all over him. I mean, you've got a woman pressing through the crowds just to touch his, touch his cloak because there's something special about him and she thinks she's going to be healed. That's who God is. That's what we have to start walking in. We've got to get away from the sign that points to Jesus and we've got to get to Jesus. We've got to quit being like, oh, you know, the sign, the sign points to Jesus. I'll just sit here and look at the sign. How stupid is that? How stupid is that? I mean, when you, when you look at it with the, with the wall drugs thing, it would be like us camping out 650 miles away from wall drug going, I wonder where wall drug is. Look, here's the sign for it. Where's wall drug? The sign saying, go that direction. It's right over there. And that's what the Old Testament is saying. This is just a sign. This is your destination. Get over there. This is where you want to be. God has provided a destination for you that involves abundant life, involves kingdom living, it involves deliverance, it involves the goodness of God in a way that we've never experienced it before. And if we're going to do Christmas right, we've got to live like that. We've got to somehow throw off things that did not let the enemy trick us into living underneath the promises of God. Because God has got so much more for us. He is so good in his favor, his unmerited favor for all people. All people. Not good people. Not moral people. Not people who have got their crap together. All people. He has favor for all people. How do we live like that? How do we appropriate that? That's going to be our next message. Because we have got to get to that. When I think about what Bob has been teaching, what... um, Brian Fenimore taught last week, it is all about kingdom living. It is about us either agreeing with or figuring out or appropriating the real truth of who we belong to and the kingdom that we're supposed to walk in. Am I right? And, and what happens is, you guys, we forget that. We get distracted. We get distracted. And we have got to set our minds on where our real destination is. We need to get to the banqueting table. We need to get to our seat because there's a seat there for us that has all kinds of good things for us. And for some reason, we're like, well, we don't know where it is. Whatever. No, it's there for us. And we have got to set our minds on this. And I believe that's the message that God has for this group, you guys, is we have got to be lights that, that not only live that message, we have to be able to share that message. Because it's an, we weren't saved just to salvation, you guys. Jesus didn't come just to save us to heaven. He came to give us the kingdom today, an abundant life today. And if that is not manifest in our life, we need to ask ourselves why. Not in a judgmental way, not in a legalistic way, but in a way to say, God, we want to live in the kingdom that you have for us. I'm tired of being... Um, run over by the enemy with the crap that's going on in my life. Either I'm going to live supernaturally in the kingdom or I'm not going to, but I want to live supernaturally in the kingdom because that's what, that's, what, that's what Christmas is about. It's the birth of a kingdom, not just a child. It's the birth of a kingdom, and it's a manifestation of who God really is in our lives and the goodness of God, 
the favor, the goodwill, the kindness that he has for us. It was so great the angels had to break forth and, and praise. They could not be silent because of what that meant, the birth of Christ. And so I'm going to just urge you, I'm going to close, but I'm going to urge you guys that you spend the rest of this Christmas season, you decide what kingdom are you living in. Are you going to camp out at the sign? Are you going to get to the destination? Because the sign's not good enough for me. That's got nothing for me. It's just a sign. It just points to something. I want the destination. I, not only for myself and for my kids, but we have a job to tell the rest of the world about it. For, you know, that's our assignment, right? I want it for me, but I want it for the rest of the world too. So will you pray with me? Will you pray and agree with me that that's what we're going to go for? So, Lord, I just thank you, God, that you, <laughs> you're not going to let us live underneath your promises. You're not going to let us live beneath what you have called for us, what you have given us. You're not going to let us waste your gift to us. And so we, got, we just pray, Father, that we will participate with you. We choose to live in the kingdom. We choose to live with your goodness. We choose to believe who you really are. We choose to see you in the face of Jesus because you are Jesus. We choose that today, Father. I pray, God, that you would bless every single person here, Lord, that they would turn around what the enemy is trying to bring against them. And I say that no weapon form will prosper, and everything the enemy need, means for evil, you will use for good. Remind us of what the Christmas message is really about. We choose to believe it. We choose to enter in. We're going to go sit at the banquet table. We're going to eat our Christmas meal, Lord, because you prepared it for us and we will participate, God. I thank you that you love us so much. You will not leave us ignorant and you will not leave us on the side of the road, God, but you will draw us to yourself. Thank you for who you are, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.